0: From the studios of WHUP-LP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. This one is locally focused, and let me tell you, it is one of the busiest and most eventful times in local Brazilian jiu-jitsu that I can ever remember since I started training. And uh, why is that? Well, we know one reason. One reason is that it's the PANS weekend, the four days of Brazilian jiu-jitsu that happens in California that a lot of folks travel out to. It is the most populated, the most registered for jiu-jitsu tournament in the world. Uh, the World's is probably the most prestigious, or ADCC if you like nogi, but the Pants is the one that most people compete at, and therefore it's you know arguably more competitive than the World's. So we're right in the middle of that, and what we want to do today is we want to recap some of our local performances as well as some surprising national performances. But that's not the only reason things are busy. Uh, U.S. Grappling is in the midst of their summer schedule, and there are tons of events, one that just happened, several that are coming up that you can register for and compete at. We're going to remind you about all of those as well. But the other reason that it's the busiest time that I can remember is we've been working on a lot of things behind the scenes and a couple of surprises. And we have at least two, maybe three major announcements that are going to happen in the next couple of weeks. We don't want to offer too many spoilers, but I will just say we'll offer... you might want to pay attention to DirtyWhiteBelt.com, the blog over there, DirtyWhiteBelt.com slash blog, and our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash radio, for a couple of major things that we have to tell you about coming up. And we can't wait, and we're really excited to tell you about those things. This week's featured interview is going to be with one of the competitors at the PANS that I was impressed with the most. She's a mainstay of the local jiu-jitsu and martial arts scene generally, and has recently begun competing again. And Heather Casey also does a ton of nonprofit work, including the ELEI initiative, where she goes to protect elephants. And, and all of these things are fascinating. Heather got a silver medal, a hard-fought silver medal at the, uh, at the PANS, and we're really happy uh, to be able to talk to her, which we're going to get to later in the show. But first, got to tell you how to get a hold of us. Uh, You can always email the show at cagesidewhup.gmail.com. You can get a hold of us via Twitter or Instagram. We're very active on Instagram at Dirty White Belt. Our Twitter is DWB Radio. You can also always get it at us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash radio. And again, we're going to revamp the blog and the website soon. um, So you can check us out online at dirtywhitebelt.com.
2: Hey, Jeff Shaw.
0: Yes, Betsy O'Donovan.
2: I have a question for you. I have an answer. Do you have, in that vast and storied collection of gis, something in a Kelly Green?
0: In fact, I designed a Kelly Green gee like two years ago for Toro BJJ.
2: Well, you're going to have to pull it out of the closet and dust it off because St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, is the date of the next U.S. grappling tournament in Virginia Beach.
0: Hopefully you show up and get the luck of the Irish.
2: (laughs) And a pot of gold medals at the end of your rainbow.
0: I personally am really excited because you and I are going to go to Ireland for our second honeymoon a month after that tournament, but uh, hopefully I can impress the Irish with some medals I win at U.S. Grappling on March 17th.
2: Connor McGregor won't know what hit him. Hey, thanks for supporting the brands that support us, and you can find them at usgrappling.com.
0: One of the most exciting things co- coming up, though, is Toro Cup. Before we dive into talking about the pans in earnest, I want to remind you that Toro BJJ's uh, is semi-regular Super fight event, and this is the ninth iteration of it, Toro Cup, is coming up on April 14th. And this is a huge event for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think there are going to be more matches than ever before. Uh, and more schools represented, certainly. I'm seeing schools represented from uh, up north of, you know, up in Maine from all up and down the East Coast literally we've always had good DC representation occasional New York and Boston representation um, team Lawton is coming back Jared Lawton is going to compete on the show against our against Sean Spangler that's an exciting match that I'm that I'm really amped for all the way down to Florida we've got will Phillips coming from Tennessee so we're drawing from all over and that's one of the reasons that I think this Toro Cup is going to be an exciting thing that you're going to want to be a part of the other reason is if you don't know you should get familiar Toro Cup raises a bunch of money for charity we're up over $12 million, or <laughs> I wish we were up over $12 million, but we've raised over $12,000 for charities so far. And the charity that we're raising money for this time is very local and very near and dear to our hearts. Hubao Karaoka, who's the highest-ranking black belt in North Carolina, recently suffered a stroke. He's fighting hard to get back and recover. Just saw him at U.S. Grappling. And uh, half of the proceeds of Toro Cup this time is going to go to Hubao mediocre medical fund. Now, if you've experienced medical bills in America, as I know I have, and a lot of y'all have... Um, then you know what it's like to struggle under that weight. And so we it's an opportunity not only to see some amazing jiu-jitsu um, and not only to eat some amazing food. Yellow Bear Bakery is going to be there. Forte Legato Coffee Company, which has some of the best coffee I've ever had. And I'm a coffee shop. I'm from the Northwest. Clarity Eats, Eric Shelton's Catering Company is going to be there. So there's going to be great food. There's going to be incredible jiu And you're going to support a really good cause that is close to someone in our community. So... Uh, April 14th at Toro BJJ World Headquarters. That's 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina. You can find out more online at ToroCup.com or through the Toro BJJ Facebook. Before we get off of Toro Cup, one other thing I want to mention. I mentioned this is the ninth iteration of Toro Cup. So that means next time is Toro Cup 10. And I personally cannot wait to see what uh, James Buber-Hogaboom and John Bagels-Telford, who is the matchmaker of Toro Cup, come up with for the 10th version of this outstanding local fight card that's become such a touchstone for those of us in the local scene. And, uh, you know, I, I, I made a joke about this online, but... You know, uh, people people uh, have been really nice uh, to me about uh, about you know uh, thanking me for 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 starting Toro Cup, and I really do appreciate that. It's it's it, it, you know it t- it touches me that 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 you know that I was involved in creating this thing. But I will say this: like Boomer and particularly Bagels, Bagels does all the matchmaking these days, and so if you have a lot of credit uh, to give, you should give that credit to John Bagels Telford. And um, I-, I made a joke about. I only tell people Bagels is the matchmaker if people are angry, but um, but if you are angry, Bagels is the matchmaker. Please don't be angry, though. It's a really fun community event, so you should come out and support. Other stuff I want to tell you about before we get into talking about the pans, U.S. Grappling. We just had U.S. Grappling Raleigh, and it was the biggest U.S. Grappling tournament ever. I don't know how much, whether, you know, me and Sam Fallhaber, who was a black belt who also competed on U.S. Grappling, um, we broke down that event. On last week's show. So you can check that out in the archive if you want to hear the recap of everything that happened at U.S. Grappling Raleigh. One thing I think that we didn't talk about enough, me and Sam, is that um, it was we did talk about how it was the biggest U.S. grappling ever with about 550 competitors, well over 100 more than the previous largest event. Now, that's incredible. And it shows you that the scene is growing by leaps and bounds, which is something that's extremely gratifying for a lot of us that have been uh, working to build build it up for a while, and all, all of us that really believe in U.S. grappling and the tournament experience that they provide. But it was also something, like, the thing that I don't think we talked as enough about is how well U.S. grappling reacted. I will confess that this was the only U.S. grappling tournament I've ever been to where they've run behind and they were running behind by I think about 45 minutes to an hour. And look, it it it's always unfortunate when when delays happen. But let me tell you, I've competed at just about every major grappling organization and to and I've competed maybe at two dozen US grappling tournaments, like a ton of US grappling tournaments over the time that I I've, I've been doing jiu-jitsu. And this is the only time that they've ever been uh, been off schedule. And the only reason they were off schedule was because more than 100 people walked up the day of and registered. That's pretty cool. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to the staff at US Grappling for, um, for responding so well to these incredible, uh, <laughs> these, these trying circumstances. And the other thing too, is you, you, sometimes you hear the phrase a good problem to have. And I really think about that when I think about having so many folks sign up as almost a surprise because uh, it shows you that you know you can adapt to that and it shows you that things are growing and if you if you were if you were there and you were a little bothered by having to wait a little longer than you you thought you you, you were going to have to wait think about this part of the function of a tournament organization is providing more opportunities for you to train with and compete against people that you never have before and what's kind of cool about US grappling growing and drawing from all over the region is that you know I had Three matches against guys I'd never competed against before. And that's pretty rare because I get out to a ton of gyms. I compete all the time at US Grappling. And to get three matches against dudes that do different things that I had never really had competitive matches with before like one guy was a re- really good wrestler, one guy was a leg lock guy. Um, I competed against Wes from Gracie Raleigh, who's a beast in all, <laughs> who's a beast, in, like an all around beast. And I'm super glad that I got all those matches because that's how you improve. And that's how you, yeah, you know, that's how you. Uh, not only improve your skills, but also show you where the holes in those skills are and where you can where you can go to get better. And so I want to thank everybody that helps me get better at Jiu-Jitsu and U.S. Grappling it is a terrific way to do that. If you didn't compete at U.S. Grappling Raleigh, don't you worry. There's lots of other tournaments that you can come and compete at. March 17th, they're going to Virginia Beach. I'm seriously thinking about driving up for that. Um, I'm going to be traveling back from a work trip uh, or else it would be a done deal. April 28th, though, I will definitely be at U.S. Grappling Richmond. Got a lot of great friends in Richmond um, and, you know, in terms of a lot of, uh, I would be remiss not to use the hashtag Richmond friends, a lot of Richmond friends, um, you know, but they have a ton of great schools there. Richmond is one of the hotbeds of local jujitsu. And it's also that midpoint between the DMV area and Raleigh-Durham. As well as the mountains and Western North Carolina, uh, a lot of guys from the coast of North Carolina travel up to Richmond, so you get a confluence of people to compete against. You know, obviously Revolution BJJ is there uh, with Andrew Smith and Daniel Frank. With you know Richmond BJJ is there with um, Eric Burdo and Liz Susson. and Upstream BJJ up there with Seth Smith. Um, so you've got a lot of terrific schools. The MMA, the MMA Institute, which has a ton of great grapplers. So. Um, you will get a lot of great matches if you compete at April 28th in Richmond, Virginia. On May 5th, U.S. Grappling is going to Greensboro, North Carolina. And, you know, without spoiling any of the surprises that we have for this uh, this coming week or two on the blog, um, if at all possible, you should be at that event. You know, if at all possible. And that's all I'm going to say. May 5th, Greensboro, North Carolina. U.S. Grappling comes back. I want to tell you about the customer service I recently got from Cageside Fight Company. I really needed custom rash guards and fight shorts in time to get Junio Ocasio on the Eddie Bravo Invitational card so that he could look fresh. Not only did Boomer from Cageside personally deliver all of the stuff that I needed, he got it in a timely fashion at a great price. This is what I've come to expect from Cageside Fight Company. So if you want the best in fight gear from a family owned business that does a lot for the local community, go to Cageside.com and support the folks that support us. So that's the news. Um, and that with that, I would like to turn to discussing the Pan American Jiu-Jitsu Championship. I mentioned before, this is arguably, you know, this is certainly one of the most prestigious Jiu-Jitsu tournaments in the world, and it is the one that most people register for. And so we held, um, North Carolina and the surrounding areas sent a robust crew of people that brought back a ton of medals. I want to call out a few performances specifically, and then I want to break down those performances. For one thing, our own Lourdes Cantu um, had two matches, end up getting a bronze medal. You can see a picture of Lourdes on the podium. Congratulations, Lourdes. You looked awesome in your matches. The great Bryce Lighthall, who doesn't live here anymore. He's in Florida training with Bruno Malfacini. But uh, another standout performance from Bryce. A gold medal. Um, he won it at Blue Belt last year, the Pans, and he won it at Purple Belt this year. Once again, submitted everybody. Didn't have a point scored against him. So congratulations to Bryce. Master 2, uh, Purple Featherweight. Uh, just a really... An out- <laughs> Just the, what we've come to expect for, from Bryce. Um, I also want to mention that Gita Bot, who I don't think I meant, who I don't think I shouted out for getting double gold at the London Open about ten days ago. Congratulations, Gita! Gita also won gold in her weight class in the Master Three Blue weight class. Another powerful performance by Gita Bot. Great job, Gita! Bringing back gold to North Carolina. Gita, I know trains a lot with Drew Culbreth, who uh, we have to get on the show at some point. And you know, I know Drew is a low key guy. Uh, especially compared to Jason Culbreth, but Drew Culbreth is arguably the most competitively successful individual in North Carolina history. Like Drew has won, I think, seven world championships at at this point, and he just won another Pan's Gold. And Drew, who competes at, at, at the featherweight or the lightweight around there, he's about my size, Drew also got silver in the absolute. So Drew Culbreth, another Pan's Gold medal and silver in the absolute, just a really, really terrific performance. Also, I want to make sure we shout out Caitlin Huggins, who got black belt silver and very nearly took gold in her first trip to the pans. She competed against Sarah Black, who was a seasoned and very accomplished black belt, was able to have two matches with Sarah, the first of which she won 2-0 on a sweep, and the second of which, unfortunately, she got takedown points against her and was unable to make up the gap, but still finished in a podium performance at her first level ever pans at the black belt level. So congratulations to Caitlin. One other person who's a friend of the show and who competes all the time and is a really positive force in the scene is Saida Durkee. And this is sort of a, a roller coaster redemption story. I'm really happy for Saida, but it's, but whenever you end up happy with someone, often you start out being sad for them. And so I watched Saida's first match. Now Saeed is a very successful competitive blue belt, very very tough competitor, and she got a really tough draw in her first round Masters one um, match. Ended up having a no points, no advantages match, going to ref's decision, a ref's decision that she was on the end of, and I was really I was gutted for her because I know, you know Saeed is a competitive person and is used is not used to losing, and so so that was unfortunate, and I was like ah that's really that's really too bad. I was disappointed for her, but Saida, true to form came back entered the absolute and got absolute gold which is I, I just could not possibly be happier for her and you know the absolute is often the one that you want to win anyway because that's the one that all people from all weight classes enter i should also mention you know once again like why i'm why i'm so impressed with drew Colberth being a little guy uh and 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 standing among the tall trees on the podium to get a silver medal in the absolute but saida congratulations on the absolute gold uh at the pans pretty terrific um I also, like, so that was Friday, and uh, Sabrina Wright from Alliance, uh, Lucas Leprey in Charlotte, also, I watched all of her matches, and just an astonishingly talented jujitsu athlete. You'll be hearing more about her in the future. If you don't know about Sabrina, who's at Purple Belt already, you should get informed. And she's really fun to watch, too. So terrific performance um, from, from Sabrina Wright. So those were the Friday results, and we go into Saturday, and this is when a lot of the local athletes that are most common competitors uh, come out, and so we had a couple of we had a couple of folks that are show guests that I want to mention: um, Will Lusheen. Who's been on the show was a nominee for Coach of the Year. Will got two medals, um, one uh, one match in his weight class to get bronze, got silver in the absolute. Um, ha- uh, had to uh, had to pack those things back through uh, through airport security, which I know is is is, a, is a, you know once again a good problem to have. My man Tim Hufford, uh, brown belt from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Uh, bro- I believe this is his first competition at brown belt, which is is kind of astonishing given that he got silver at the biggest tournament. Uh, the, the, you know, the biggest tournament in the world So congratulations to Tim Hufford I watched both of those matches And, uh, and he looked terrific out there the guy, in semis was, or the guy in finals was really tough too And Tim put on a great performance Rob Fielder, uh, inv- creator of the Rob Fielder diet Hashtag Rob Fielder diet Soon to be outpacing the Gracie diet At a place near you uh, Came in with a bronze medal So congratulations to Rob Fielder from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu Jitsu And a couple other folks that I want And saved, I've saved three folks to talk about last um, because, I, well, for because reasons. First is Mary Holmes. And now Mary is an inspiration to just about everybody that does jiu-jitsu in North Carolina. You know, she's a professional person who doesn't train jiu-jitsu full-time, but makes time for it, and is one of the absolute best in the area, one of the absolute, like, maybe pound-for-pound most technical person that I've trained with, which is saying something, given if you think about uh, the people that I've trained with. And so Mary um, ended up meddling in her weight class, ended up getting, getting bronze in her weight class, and uh i and and had a dominating performance in a couple matches and and lost one match got to the then went when hopped into the absolute and crushed the absolute got to the final and I was watching this final and Mary controlled this match the whole time like literally the whole time and I'm a little gutted sort of thinking about this because Mary nearly passed three times got was up by three advantages and then the last five seconds of the Of the match, and her opponent was just, you know, her opponent obviously very skilled competitor and very, you know, physically adept as well. In the last five seconds, her opponent sort of scrambles up, and Mary tries to take her back. And in a call that I think could have gone either way, and I might not have made this call. Like, Mary ends up on bottom in the last five seconds, and they award sweet points. So Mary ends up getting, taking home a silver medal, but could easily have won a gold medal in the Absolute, and I think maybe should have won a gold medal in the Absolute. Mary would never say that, but um, but it's my show, so I'm saying it. Uh, and congratulations. Mary really showed her stuff, showed what she's made of, and showed the reason that everybody out here respects her so much and wants to train with her so much. Finally, not finally, because we got to get to our featured interview, but the other person who's not in our featured interview that I want to talk about is Kim Rice. Now Kim is one of the, the the one of the people locally that could legitimately win the adult world championship, and I expect her to do that. That Kim is Kim is just that good. This time Kim did not come home with a gold medal, but uh, still put on an, a you know a series of outstanding performances. And here's what what I want to highlight about Kim. So Kim was running through her weight class, ends up in the final, and uh, is uh, gets a sweep, gets on top. With the Oma Plata, um, so she's up two points. She's on top, looking to pass, and her opponent, who had like, and all props to her, her opponent, whose name I, fr- I think it was Hannah Starms, was her opponent's name, ends up hitting Kim with a quick armbar, and Kim is forced to tap. And you know that's that that was unfortunate. That's disappointing. But I think everybody who's trained and competed knows when somebody has a bit of a funky game and they do something that you haven't seen before and they surprise you. Anybody can get caught. And so Kim gets caught. But all great competitors uh, come back strong. And so Kim ends up entering the Absolute, competes against her that same opponent that beat her in the finals in the weight class, and ends up dominating that match. Ends up winning, I believe, 12 to nil and is never in danger at any point. And I mean, I think that's what Jiu-Jitsu is really about, right? Like, everybody listening to this show has been submitted, and everybody listening to this show has made mistakes or has been caught by something they didn't see coming. But, like, I think what makes Jiu-Jitsu powerful and what makes Kim Rice such a successful Jiu-Jitsu competitor is that you can catch Kim once, and then Kim will make sure it never happens again. And, and you know, she will do everything within her power to be like, all right, noted. I am going to drill that until... It is automatic that I am not going to get caught by that again. And Kim did. And she winds up going to the absolute and getting a bronze medal in the absolute against some of the really truly rising stars in the adult division of the sport. And so Kim Silver in her weight class, uh, bronze in absolute, terrific job, Kim. If you like watching amazing jujitsu matches and supporting people in your community, you need to go to Toro Cup Nine on April 14th at the Cageside Warehouse, 124 Latta Road in Durham, North Carolina. You need to go out there because it's going to support Hubao Karaoka's medical fund. The local black belt had a stroke this year, and we're raising money to help support his recovery. Additionally, it's James Boomer Hogaboom's birthday that day, and if you know Boomer, the owner of Cageside MMA and one of the brains behind Toro BJJ, does a lot to support the local scene. So get out here and have Boomer have a good. Birthday as well. That's Toro Cup 9, April 14th at the Cage Side Warehouse, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina. And if you want to match on the card, contact John Bagels Telford. So that's a lot of impressive performances. You know, I, I think all would agree with me that if that was all we had to talk about, man, you know, terrific showing by North Carolina and beyond but it's not. And, and here's the thing, the person that I may be most impressed with was someone who got a silver medal. And that's our featured interview, Heather Casey. There are a couple of reasons why I was so impressed with Heather's performance. First of all, watching her train and compete and take jujitsu and really dedicate herself to these goals has been inspiring. And you always when you see somebody do, do that, you want them to get the results that they've worked hard for. Second, Heather had three tough matches, and I was lucky enough to be able to catch all of those matches. And, man, I, I have never seen her look better. And the work that she put in, the improvement, the, the discipline, really shined through in those performances. And, I mean, I think one of the, the things that every competitor listening to this show can identify with is a medal that you work really hard for feels better. Like, the default medal is lame. You know, nobody wants to get a medal without actually competing. And if you have one match, and that one matches against someone that is not, you know, at your level, you know, all you can do is beat who they put in front of you. But it's not as satisfying if you have a fierce, tough match against a, a, a beast of a competitor. And Heather had three really fierce matches against high quality competitors and just absolutely just showed her stuff. Two of the matches were really close. One of the matches, she absolutely styled on somebody, which and 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 when I say that, I'm not trying to, to disrespect her opponent in any respect because her opponent had skills, but Heather was able to just be at that other level, and she winds up um, going through her division and losing a really tough match. Like so, she in the finals, uh, she faces an opponent from Atos, and Atos is building a dynasty. <laughs> like I'm so terrified of the of the Atos athletes coming up, and so Heather faces an Atos athlete in the final. And ends up losing 7-2, to two, but is never out of that match. And until the very end, Heather was down 5-2 on top, working to pass. And it's one of those situations where, hey, if you pass and you, you know, get knee on belly, maybe get an advantage for a, for a, for a submission attempt, and, and you win. And, and that's, that's a gold medal. Um, and so Heather, of course, at that point, you know, you have to, you have to take chances if you're going to be successful. You can either accept, okay, I'm going to lose by three points. Uh, or you can try to win, and Heather tried to win, ends up getting swept and loses 7-2, but was never out of that match in any respect and could easily have been the gold medalist. And so um, that was, for me, one of the most gratifying performances to watch. I was really happy for her, uh, Heather, from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And that's a segue, my friends, because... I had the opportunity to talk to Heather Casey. Heather is once again a mainstay of the local martial arts scene, not just jiu-jitsu, other martial arts as well, but she's really been focusing on jiu-jitsu lately and has been competing more and put on a really inspiring performance, a silver medal performance at the Pan Jiu-Jitsu Championship. So it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Heather Casey. So congratulations on your silver medal performance, Heather. You must be really pleased.
1: I am. I, I was. It was um, I had never been to Pan Ams before, and, uh, and it was a wonderful experience. I signed up originally to get out of my comfort zone, and um, and then the more that I started to train, the more that I really wanted to see where my jiu lined up um, with the best in the world. So it was a great experience.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that you've been training, it seemed to me, harder than ever before for this competition to make sure that you were very prepared, and that hard work really showed. Did you feel the best that you'd felt at going into a tournament?
1: I did. I think, um, you know, I have to say, last year was my first time doing an IBJJS. I did it in Boston, and I was training, I feel like, around the clock, maybe even more than I did for this one, but it was my first First time ever competing, and then it was my second competition and my first IBJJF. So I just wasn't sure what to think. But I think what was different about this is I trained harder and smarter. So um, I mean, I think that I only did five days a week um, and once a day, but I was really specific about the things that I felt good at, and I was drilling those. Um, drilling that over and over again so then um, I felt really confident going in with just what I I felt were my strengths
0: yeah I really think nobody ever does their absolute best the first time out at a big tournament like that because I think experience matters so much and it sounds like you were able to change your training pattern to optimize and improve after your first experience would you agree with that?
1: I would 100% agree with that I think I think what I also realized after um, competing in Boston was that I had never trained with the amount of intensity that I experienced with my with my first role. So uh, I I knew that going into Pan Am that I needed a lot more intensity. I needed to, I needed to pick up the speed. Um, and so I I think one of the best things I do for myself as well besides having a game plan really start to search out girls who are um you know different sizes different weight classes um different belt ranks and just try to get as much practice rolling with the different people um as possible and people who would give me a really hard time like start to see like where i was choking up on stuff or Um, and that was one of the best things I think I could also have done for my training was to really seek out other girls who were going to give me a hard time.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned intensity and that was something I definitely noticed watching your matches. They were very intense matches, very hard fought, and the competition was, was really high quality. I noticed especially your first and third matches were, were super intense and very close. Um, your second match, you, you put on a quite a dominating performance, but let's talk about that that first match um were you nervous going into the first match and maybe talk us through how your first match
1: went Uh, i was so nervous i um i have to say when i was putting on my gi i my 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 foot was shaking so bad i was having a hard time time putting my gi on and then all of a sudden after i stepped down uh and walked out where the masks were i i don't know my breathing settled my nerves settled a bit and um and then when i uh walked up and it was time to go uh i saw that i was going against a a female from aoj uh the mendos brothers and they're really i mean who i study the most and some of my jujitsu heroes so even just to be able to go against um that girl i know would be a a really tough match and I just tried to put it all out and I just said, you know, I know what I'm good at. I know that I need to get the first grip. You know, I've been practicing an eight hanger or going into a single leg and I'm just going to trust that I know my, the skill behind, um, my action. So I was just trying to think first things first and that was to get the grip. Um, she was really good. I mean, immediately, you know, I watched, I rewatched the video because I couldn't remember a lot of it, but. You know, she had the. Um, she was really good at getting that Um So, and I have to admit that I I haven't practiced <laughs> escaping the palata a lot. So, um, uh, but yeah, the intensity and I and and how quick they are. You know, it wasn't just that it was really intense. I mean, her feet were just so fast. So, being able to try to you know be one step above that.
0: Yeah, if you didn't see the match. So Heather was up on points after getting the takedown. And then you did end up stuck in an plata, which must have felt like forever. It felt like forever watching it. But you defended well. Uh, they, she wasn't able to sweep or submit you from that plata position. And you wind up advancing on points. Uh, your second match, I thought, went a lot better. Like you really put on, I think, I thought you were able to display your jiu-jitsu in a variety of different positions, all of which were, were very good positions for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I felt the same way. I mean, I think uh, I I remember feeling, um, getting into all my favorite positions, and uh, I had been actually practicing the bow and arrow into the armbar, which I was able to do, but I got sloppy when it came to that, and so um, she was able to roll out, but um, I got back on top, but that was a really... Um, that was a, that was a fun match. It was, it was good for me to be able to, I, I feel like I was able to settle down a little bit. I think my nerves were so high on the first one and then going out for the second one. Uh, I was still nervous, but I think it was like, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I was also able to hear Jason and Drew, which was really helpful because I didn't actually look up at the scoreboard a lot, but I tried to look at them to see what they were doing um, because the first one, I had a really hard time hearing them. Um, So I feel like the second one allowed me to settle into my jujitsu and almost just arriving um, into the match.
0: Mm And you mentioned Jason Colworth and Drew Culbreth. Drew, of course, who's won the worlds about eighty times and takes home a gold and a silver medal from this event. You know, and Jason is one of the most successful competition coaches in the area. So it must have felt really good to have those two guys in your corner.
1: Oh, it did. I mean, it, uh, it really did. I, I mean, I couldn't have done the. I mean, I couldn't have done this without them. Jason's You know, Jason's been studying my. Uh, my game for a while now. he it, It's been really nice for him to really see where my holes were and then where I needed to focus um, and, and really believing and trusting in what he says so that I can get to that next level.
0: You mentioned earlier about the confidence that you gained, too, in between your first match and your second match in terms of, okay, I was really nervous, but now I know I can do this, and I can hang with these people. And in your final match was a really hard-fought match with another Atos competitor. Um, and you were you end up losing on points, but you were in it until the very end. And so mm-hmm. so I'm curious about what you take away from a match like that because, you know, you must be... I mean, if I were you, I would be very happy with the silver medal, but also you, you have to have the confidence that you can continue to compete for these gold medals at this level?
1: Yeah, I have to say, I um, I mean, I could tell immediately, you know, when she gripped me and pulled, um, pulled guard that uh, it was going to be a tough match. And I think I started getting in my head when I was on the bottom and I was having a hard time sweeping or coming up. And I think, you know, again, it comes back to believing in your, Skill and uh, and re- you know, relaxing a little bit. And that I, I realized that I was kind of pulling her really close. So then I was almost not able to do the sweep because I was almost holding on so tight. Hmm. Um, so I think it's hard to relax. But I actually got to roll with her again today because she's. I went to the Mendez brothers, and we were both slightly more relaxed, and everything was moving. Um, a lot better, you know, but it's just so different when you're out there. And, and I, I was really able to see where I got in my head and I started to lose my confidence when I was on the bottom. So I think that's really working to keep work, you know, when I go back, I want to train smarter again so that I can keep that confidence, work on the sweeps, you know, you know, n- not the believe my ability to trust my
0: and in- in- jiu when i get in tight places mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that the mendez brothers are some of you jiu-jitsu heroes and you end up competing against two of their very talented athletes i want to ask you about what it was like training at the mendez brothers academy in just a second but before i do that before you get get you know before you even got out to train at the mendez brothers all these great schools you had to train with some of Uh, of our area's best athletes like you train with mary holmes regularly and caitlin huggins who's a black belt ends up getting silver in the black belt division so i'm curious two-part question um what does training with mary regularly do for you and did you get the chance to train with caitlin at all uh, before this event or was it more a we're all out here together as north carolina south carolina folks
1: Um, well, the second part, I didn't actually get to train with Caitlin, um, but it's been great to watch her, um, compete and, um, see how, um, and and see her compete. I think this was her first Pan Am's experience as well. Um, so I would love to practice with Caitlin more. Um, and then with Mary, I mean, I was actually going to make a post about this. I mean, Mary's been inspiring me. Um, from day one in So so uh, And I've always, and I've been watching Mary compete at these big events for years. And, I mean, Mary is my personal jujitsu here. <laughs> so I know that I'm really lucky to be able to train, you know, with the best in the world regularly. And Mary's so good at breaking down moves and being able to, you know, have it apply to Mel's and um specifically females, you know. I mean Mary's really small and she does so well against I mean all of her competitors against, you know, men and um and, you know, Mary's great, so great about um like the footwork, her sweep, her, you know, the pressure getting on top and she moves so effortlessly and um so I can't wait to you know, I just feel incredibly blessed. Um incredibly blessed to be able to work with Mary on it, um, uh, on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. And so you mentioned earlier also about training with the Mendez brothers and like, so I'm curious what you took away from that. Like how was that experience getting out and training with some of your jujitsu heroes and some of their students?
1: Well, I have to say I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty shy going into new places. I was pretty nervous, um, walking in, but, once you go in there, it's it's a regular, you know, morning class like anywhere else. Um, And uh, they showed a lot of, uh, they showed, um, you know, pulling guard, um, triangle, uh, doing the triangle, doing um, an arm bar and a butterfly piece. And I definitely want to practice that. And, you know, I think uh, it's like anywhere, you have a lot of um, belts at all levels, some are, high competitors and some are there for the community and what i often notice is just like everyone else i mean i think people go and they're there because it becomes a family it becomes your you know you're able to see your friends and your community on a daily basis so it felt um it felt very much like it did at home there's you know the the morning class was packed we're not going to back tonight but we heard some, uh, on monday night classes you know it's almost hard to get everybody on the mat because so many people are there um but it was it was definitely a great experience i mean if i could stay even a couple of days longer i'd go back every day i mean just just try to soak in the roles that we had everyone started standing up when they started sparring um which i noticed the difference and um so yeah, it was uh, it was it was great. I'm really glad that that uh, we did that.
0: So you say everybody stood up, and sp- starts sparring standing up there. About what percentage of them do takedowns, and what percentage of them go for guard pulls in training? Did you notice?
1: Um, the girls that I went with, and when I was observing, uh, I didn't uh, unfortunately notice what a lot of the other guys that are paying more attention to the women. Um, but they would try to grab and immediately go, um, not necessarily for a closed guard pull, but they would slide into, um, a suite almost, but they didn't, they didn't hesitate and they felt very comfortable knowing almost, uh, the moves that they were going to do. So I would say I saw less takedowns and more sliding in, like, uh, almost like a collar drag sliding into, um, to a suite for, uh, a like a semi
0: guard school. I'll know to look out for that in the future. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So on the non-jujitsu topic, you know, you've been a a staple of the local martial arts scene for quite a while, but like most people, even people that don't do not do jujitsu, know you from some of your work with elephant conservation, and you have your own nonprofit, ELEI, and I was wondering if you could talk to us about what that is, how it got started, and where this passion for you comes from.
1: Uh, Sure. So I um so it's called Ellie Elephant Education Initiative and uh it started very organically uh, about a year and a half ago. I'm currently uh, almost finished with my master's degree and I was writing my thesis on elf conservation. I started traveling to Southeast Asia and then when I started traveling to Africa I started to get asked to come and speak in local schools um, to educate the kids about uh, about elephants and conservation. And uh, I started getting asked by so many um, kids and parents and teachers if they could make a donation or if they could find out more information. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just have a little website or if I take money, I'll have to be a nonprofit. And really it just started like a- Floating from there. So uh, now, a year and a half in, and um, we're kind of coming at it from two different angles. Uh, Ellie itself um, is really focused on human elephant conflict. So, people who are the local communities who are living and surrounded, surrounding the national parks in Africa that share the same land as the elephant and the wildlife um, really struggle uh, because elephants will come and trample um, their food or their farms and their water towers. And um, so they're not huge fans of conservation. They're not supported by the parks or the government. And when foreign influence comes in, you know, America, including America, they have a big influence on even what happens to them. Um, so Ellie is helping to assist these local communities with, more education about why it's important to invest in conservation efforts, um, which can bring in a lot of money for them through tourism, versus investing in the black market or you know the ivory syndicates um, who are coming from other countries. Uh, and so, being able to come in and uh, help the next generation financially and academically, so that they can. Um, that they can, the more education that they have, it means the better jobs that they'll have, which means that they're going to be uplifting their whole community. Um, And it means they're going to be bringing in more money and they won't have to rely on, you know, the black market or the ivory trade.
0: And where do you you see this going for you in the future? Are you going to continue to travel to those locations to do this work?
1: I am really, it's, just getting started. Where uh, I'm going back in October um, to really try to work with one particular community, so, uh, and I'm still working on what community that's going to be. So, um, as soon as we get settled on a specific country, we're going to start to work with a specific community and start to build a program um, to send, you know, a couple students, maybe. Um, financially and academically to higher education, um, but it's trying to pick the right smoothie. Um, I'm looking at Zimbabwe or Kenya that's really struggling the most, um, as well as Where? coordinating with and partnering with other nonprofits that are already on the ground. Look, right now, there are so many nonprofits out there that are really doing a good job So instead of having us reinvent the wheel or take away from what a lot of these nonprofits are already doing. If we can come in and support their efforts and you know, what happens a lot of times is that they have a few different categories. They might be working on staffing coaching and they're helping with the military or they're helping with resource development um, or education. And a lot of times they all their efforts are going into maybe one of these things and so then they don't have enough money or resources or manpower to put into the education effort so Emily would come in partner with them help them and help them with resources and funding to focus on the education um so that we can you know work all in this together um and but we're not having to you know step on their feet from the work that they already started to do so we've got a couple of um, nonprofits that were starting to help in Namibia and Thailand um, and help the efforts that they're already doing.
0: Do you see a common thread in these passions of yours in terms of martial arts, yoga, and elephant conservation, or are they three separate things to you? Is there any kind of overlap that, uh, that you see?
1: That's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess with they're all things that I equally love, so, and they're all things that keep me completely um, present and grounded. And I wouldn't ever see myself not doing any of those three. I mean, I, I do feel like I jujitsu ju, is very different for me than yoga because yoga feels very easy and natural and you can't really graduate with yoga, but yoga was never anything that felt you know, very hard for me. It was just something that came very easy. and But Jujutsu pushes me on every level. And what I love about Jujutsu is that I feel like it's making me be a better human being mentally and physically and emotionally to be able to tackle issues and problems and get uncomfortable and get out of my comfort zone, which I think is really important to help with the work with Ellie, Um, And so I feel like jiu-jitsu and yoga and what I'm learning about myself through these two practices are helping to carry with the work that I want to do in the world. Um, So I don't know, maybe you see a thread and you can help me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not important to unify everything, but I certainly see common threads. So my, my, I guess my last question, and then I'll ask if there's anything that, that I didn't ask about that you really wish I would have, is about yoga. And you mentioned that this is something that comes very naturally to you, That's that feels e- not necessarily easy, but feels sort of seamless into the way you live your life. Anyway, what do you get out of yoga as a human being, and what do you think yoga does for you in the other aspects of your life, such as jujitsu? Well, I think what
1: yoga taught me uh, the most, I feel like growing up um i was really rigid or and i i still feel like i have a tendency to want to control things and i think yoga just the very nature of it teaches you how to go with the flow and let go a little bit more um and i think the biggest hands down the biggest thing that i got was being able to um accept myself and accept the process that it's not going to come overnight um and but being able to really i think also accept my body like physically and emotionally you know i think it can be i don't know growing up with um like i was a cheerleader and i'm constantly really hard on my body or the way that it looks and i think yoga allows me that just um you know the acceptance of it all um and and the ability to just uh be present but the same thing with jujitsu. I'm drawn to a yoga practice that's physically challenging. Um, and I, I like the challenge of arm balances and inversions. And not only are they hard, but you're going to fall out all the time. So keeping it playful, and that the older that we get, you know, and I think jujitsu is a lot like this, but the older that we get, we can forget to play and have fun. And that's why I love. Handstands and um, and arm balances because they they keep you very light-hearted and it's okay to fall down. Like, you're encouraged to do it. You have to do it 10,000 times to, to do it right. And I think with Jiu-Jitsu, you know, it doesn't always have to be hard and intense either. It can be playful at times, you know, um, especially when you're rolling with your friends or having fun.
0: A lot of people who listen to the show, obviously, are are jiu-jitsu fanatics, and I find they break down into one of two categories when I talk to them about yoga. They're either people that immediately see the benefits and the application, and then there are folks that are really resistant, that see the differences as something that mean they wouldn't necessarily enjoy yoga or that they wouldn't get much out of it. And so I'm curious... uh, what would you say to jujitsu jitsu practitioners who are like, yeah, yoga is not for me. It might be boring. I don't think I'd like it. Um, what would you say to those folks?
1: Well, I think that that's very common. I think what I would suggest is to hunt around um, for a yoga teacher or a studio that resonates with you, just like you would hunt around for uh, the right jujitsu school that feels like um, means a lot to you because I think – having the right type of teacher and right type of class that you can respond to is really important because you're not going to resonate um, with all the teachers that are out there. And there's so many, and there's so many types of yoga. And I think, you know, giving up on it. Um, I think that there's so many more benefits, you know, don't just do it once. Um, there's so many benefits to yoga. And I currently um, I, I am receiving advanced yoga teacher training under a doctor um, who uh, has been doing yoga for 25 years. Um, and she started putting uh, her patients into a yoga practice and started seeing tremendous benefits. And so, um, so I think that there's a tremendous amount physically, at the end of the day, yoga is still a physical practice. Um, and I think that there's so many benefits physically um, to just not try it at all. And I know that there's yoga for BJJ and that's a really easy, uh, I think that they're doing a great job and it's a really easy way to get yoga in online or do it out of your house. Um, but being able to have some type of yoga practice if you can sit in 15 minutes to 45 minutes once a week, I think jujitsu uh, practitioners would be a huge benefit and change in their practice. I mean, the, the, uh, your ability to recover your ability to have, uh, balance. And I think one of the biggest things that I have, um, that I'm very aware of in my, how yoga relates in the jujitsu is my self-awareness with my body. I'm constantly very aware of where every part of my body is when I'm moving. And I think, you know, some years of doing yoga, um, and how my body is able to, you know, move. Um And I think that that can be such a benefit when you are doing jiu as well.
0: Is there anything I haven't asked about that you wish I would have asked about, or anything you think the listeners ought to know about you, about your school, about your team, about jujitsu, Jitsu, yoga or ellie?
1: no i mean uh, i I mean thank you so much for you know um inviting me and having me on i I think you know at the end of the day, like you know. Whether it's jujitsu or yoga or elephants, I mean, you know, finding things in your life that give you a reason to wake up and give you a sense of community and self-worth. I think, you know, life is way too short and when if you close your eyes and, you know, in a blink, it can all go away. So being able to find something that you're really passionate about and people that you can share that with, I think, is a reason to make life worth living.
0: Hey Betsy O'Donovan.
1: Yes Jeff Shaw.
0: Did you hear that U.S. Grappling's Raleigh event was the biggest one yet?
2: I didn't just hear it Jeff Shaw. I saw it with my own two eyes and it was amazing.
0: What were your impressions of this 550 person event?
2: Well you know as always with U.S. Grappling I'm astonished how they're able to manage the logistics of getting so many people on the mats with great refing, while training new refs and uh, getting people passed through the medal ceremonies and all of those happy competitors. It is a feat and they do it with a lot of love.
0: It was pretty astonishing that they were able to adapt to more than a hundred competitors more than their previous high water mark. Most of them signed up the day of and I had a great time competing and I'm sure you will as well. Are there upcoming events people can register for?
2: There absolutely are. Their next tournament is March 17th at Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, If you want to keep competing on the I-95 corridor, you can hit the Richmond-Virginia tournament on April 28th. And they're back in North Carolina on May 5th.
0: I'm going to be competing in each and every one of those, and so hope to see you all there.
2: Thanks for supporting the people who support us. You can find them at usgrappling.com.
0: that's our show for the week. One thing I want to be sure that I say is I want to congratulate everybody who put themselves out there to go and compete at PANS. It's always tough to get out there and compete at tournaments and I talk to the best in the world and some of the best ever and all of them still get nervous and so the ability not only to compete just at a local tournament, which is hard enough. But to take time off work and fly out west and compete and really train hard toward a goal is something that you should be proud of regardless of the outcome. And so congrats to everybody who went out there and competed. And a special congrats to those folks who were able to get on the podium who were able to show their skills. And uh, I know that you'll all be back up there. And we're lucky to be able to watch you. So I want to thank Heather Casey for taking the time to call in from from California, Um, and congratulations again to Heather for not only uh, her medal at the Pans, but also all the work that she's doing um, in the nonprofit field. We'll be back at it next week and should have some big announcements for you, so do watch the blog. You can always check us out online at our Facebook page, Cageside Radio, or online at dirtywhitebelt.com. I want to also give a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Um, you can join our Patreon campaign for as little as a dollar a month and get a few little extras as well as just kind of support the show um, that we are online at patreon.com slash belt. If you contribute at a certain level, you also get a shout-out on, on the podcast as Betty Brogers, Cody Malte, uh, Carl Krebs, and, and, and Chris Holmes did this month. Once again, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw, and thanks again for listening.